0: Welcome to One Interview, One World. This is Lainey Kay, and this is a show about interviewing people from all walks of life because everyone has a story to share and we can all learn from each other. I hope you enjoy
1: listening. Understand that your goals are going to dictate your necessity. They're going to dictate your approach. They're going to dictate who you spend time with, who you don't spend time with, what you read, what you don't read. I think that people need to understand it at a deep level that the goals you're setting are really dictating your life mm-hmm. more than you can ever really know until you set one greater than you can reach. And then you realize, oh my goodness, this is this is forcing me on this epic journey to become something I didn't realize I could be.
0: Today, I'm with Kevin Palmieri. And Kevin is from the podcast Next Level University. And we're going to learn more about him and how he came from a struggle in his life and learned to move on from that. And so why don't you give us an introduction and tell us about yourself, Kevin?
1: Thank you for having me on, Lainey. I'm very excited. So as Lainey said, I am Kevin Palmieri. I am the CFO, the co-host, and the co-founder of Next Level University. We are a global top 100 podcast with over 900 episodes. We've been listened to in 120 plus countries, and uh, we are just blessed to be able to impact people all over the place. And at the end of the day, at one point, this was my dream life to be able to podcast for a living. And now I get to do it. And some days I have to pinch myself, but it is also the most challenging thing I've ever done in my entire life. So I like to be transparent about that up front. Mm
0: -hmm. What makes it challenging for you?
1: The requirement for constant growth. So when you're doing seven episodes a week, if you don't learn something new every day you run out of content pretty quickly and it's very difficult honestly it's very difficult to be so consistent with something and we just did a live event on Saturday and yesterday we recorded a couple episodes and it was just such a hard day because i was just emotionally drained you have that hangover from being on stage to going back to quote unquote real life and the show goes on. So it's there's a lot of pressure when you commit and say, look, we're not going to miss any episodes ever. That's a level of pressure that it takes a toll on you and it forces you to level up sometimes when you're not ready to.
0: Yeah. How long have you been doing the podcast?
1: Uh, I started myself in April of 2017 and then my business partner and I partnered up later that year, I think, or early the next year. So five years next month or yeah, five years in a couple days, honestly.
0: That's exciting.
1: Yes. It's my favorite thing in the world.
0: Why don't you tell us how did life evolve for you? Because it sounds like you had a moment in your mid-20s where you met some challenges. So I'd love to hear how that evolved for you.
1: Yeah. I always start with the beginning of my journey when I was younger. So I was raised by my mom and my grandmother. I didn't officially meet my dad until I was 27. I had seen him when I was younger, but I was not old enough to understand what was going on. So I was raised by my mom and my grandmother. And when all of my friends decided that they were going to go to college after high school, I knew that that wasn't what I wanted to do. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, but I was fairly certain that wasn't it. So When all my friends went away and they were partying and living their best lives, I was pumping gas at the town gas station. So I was a full time gas station attendant for like five years. After that, I was a personal trainer, I was a forklift driver, I was a truck driver, I worked as a housekeeper in a hospital. I did a bunch of different things and I was always trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I got this very unique opportunity to go to kind of a trade school. And the idea was, you go to this trade school for two weeks, you learn a new trade, and then when you're done, you get picked up by a company, and then you have the opportunity to have a new job. And I went through the two weeks, and I was like, yeah, we'll see what happens. I don't, I don't know what's going to come of this. But the last day after we, quote unquote, graduated, the person who brought me to it, she was the head of that, that school, I guess. And she said, we have a very unique opportunity for you, Kev. You have a great personality, and we feel like this is a good fit for you. This is the name of the company. This is what they do. Are you interested? And I said, well, what, like, what are the details? What am I going to be doing? And she said, well, you're going to be doing everything you learned in this class. And the only downside is there's travel. But before you say no, just understand that you'll be making anywhere from 40 to $100 an hour. And I said, wait, what? What do you mean? Like, wh- there's got to be some sort of catch. W- what is going on here? And she said, well, this company works primarily for the state and the government so you get government contracts. And I was like, you know what? I'm in. That sounds good. I like that money. Let's do that. So I ended up meeting my boss one time for a job interview. The next time my boss called me, he said, hey, we're good to go. Are you ready to work? And I said, yep, I'm ready to work.
0: Did you know what the work entails?
1: Very little. Yeah. I mean, so what I did was called weatherization. So we would say you were a school teacher. We would come into your school, And we would make the building more energy efficient. So, whether it's going up in the ceiling and sealing holes or putting weather stripping on doors or windows or whatever it may be, what I learned about was residential stuff. So, working in attics of homes, I never worked in a house with this company. So, everything I learned kind of I had to learn over again, which was interesting. But I met my boss for the second time and he said, All right, cool. We're going down to Delaware. I lived in Massachusetts. So, It was an eight-hour car ride with a man that I had just met once. I moved into a house with seven other people that I had never met. And then I proceeded to learn a job that I had never done before. And I remember when I got my first paycheck, it was like, I don't know, almost $2,000. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is outrageous. I cannot believe this is real. So that became my life for the next few years. And I ended up meeting somebody and we moved in together. And by all outside standards, it seemed like I was living the dream. I was making good money. I had my dream car. My girlfriend was beautiful. I was in great shape because I had just done a bodybuilding show. But my girlfriend at the time wanted to go chase her dreams. She wanted to move across the country and she wanted to go live in California and do her thing. And I gave her every reason in the world not to do it. Gas was too high. Insurance is higher in California, whatever. Everything I could come up with. And she ended up leaving me and going and chasing her dreams, which I'm grateful she did. She definitely made the right choice, and and that's what she should have done. But when she left me, I had to look in the mirror of my life for the first time, really. And I didn't like what I saw. I didn't like who I was as a man. I was super insecure. I lacked confidence. I was self-conscious. I wasn't what everybody thought. Everybody assumed I was super confident because I had everything that anybody could want, but I, I wasn't that. And that's when I got into personal development. That's when I got into self-improvement. So I started saying positive affirmations every night before I went to bed. I am talented, I am worthy, I am handsome, I am <laughs> intelligent. And this year I will make the most money I've ever made in my entire life. And I really leaned on that last one, unfortunately. In in retrospect, I probably shouldn't have. But the next year starts. And I get a promotion and I'm a foreman at this company. And when you're a foreman, you're on basically every job from start to finish, which is great. So I'm just traveling all over the place. I'm working. I am grinding. We get to the end of the year. I had been on the road for 10 months out of the 12. Hotel to hotel. And I was gone every single week. Only home Saturday and then half of Sunday back on the road again. And I remember I was standing at my kitchen table. My girlfriend took the chairs because they were hers. And I never got new ones because I was never home. And I slid open my my pay stub and I made $100,000 at 26 with no college degree. But it was very much the same feeling I had when my girlfriend left of I put so much emphasis on this external stuff. And it's interesting because I was standing in the same place. I was standing in the same exact place as my reflections the year prior. And in that moment, I realized that for most of my life, I had been living unconsciously. The opposite of unconscious is hyperconscious. So shortly thereafter, I started a podcast. It was called the Hyperconscious Podcast, which is now where we are today. And I did that in the beginning, like everybody. I was doing one episode a week. It was a passion project, but I got hooked. I got hooked on it. I, I loved having conversations with people. And the idea of being able to do my own thing was just, it was awesome. And it felt really good. And I almost overnight stopped caring about my job. I didn't care about seventy-five, one hundred dollars an hour. I didn't care. I called out. I left work early. I showed up late. It got to the point where I'd have to be in New Jersey working, and I was a five-hour ride. So I would go to bed on Sunday night at ten p.m. I'd wake up at like one or one-thirty in the morning and drive straight to the job site because I just wanted to be home. I just missed my bed, and it just kept getting more and more out of alignment. And I just knew my days were numbered there. But I remember that it was a cold morning and my alarm went off at like 5.15, like it did every other day. And I, sli- I woke up, wiped the sleepies from my eyes, and I slid to the edges of bed. And I remember I was in a dirty hotel room in New Jersey. And I was lacing up my work boots, and I've done it thousands of times at this point. And the best way to explain it is there was 10 televisions on in my head at the same time and every single one was on a different station. And one was saying you're stuck here forever, one was saying you can never make 100 dollars an hour again, what will your friends think, what will your family think, but the one that really stood out the most was the one that was saying do you really think you can be a successful podcaster. And this was my rock bottom basement moment. I think a lot of people find rock bottom in their lives, I found out that rock bottom had a basement and I felt like if I took my life, I would take my problems with me. And that wasn't the first time I had thought that. That was probably the third or fourth time. Now, luckily, my business partner was just a text away. I texted him and told him what I was feeling. And he talked to me and he said, look, Kev, so much has changed for you over the last few years, but your environment hasn't changed that much. I think it's time to make a change. And I left that job three or four months later, went full-time into speaking, coaching, podcasting, consulting, and... I'd love to say uh the rest was history or you know everything else was positive from there but the next 3 years were just unreasonably difficult. Trying to build a business is one of the hardest things humanly possible. So I was broke. I put myself into $35,000 of debt. My car was broken. It was stalling at intersections. So when it comes to the entrepreneurial journey, I've definitely been I've been in many different ways. And I think it's important for growth and it's important for perspective as well.
0: When you were growing up or even as an adult, what you said, you felt, you know, socially insecure. Mm -hmm. So on the outside, you seem like everything was going well, but what, what do you think that stemmed from?
1: I think there, it was a couple things. I think one, I developed some sort of complex with my dad, with my dad, not being around. I don't even want to say when my dad left, because I don't ever consciously remember him being there. Yeah. But I remember even when I was younger, I remember in school, they would say in the beginning of class, when you're getting to meet your classmates, you'd go around the room and the teacher would say, what do your parents do? Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, I don't know. I have no idea. So I just made up construction worker. He's a construction worker. I have no idea. I've never, I've never met the man. So I think that I developed a lot of insecurities based on not enoughness on, mm-hmm. on scarcity. I mean, we, we were lower middle class like i never missed a meal i always ate but it was fairly common to us talk uh, for us to talk about how we're going to make rent that was a fairly common conversation that we we had in my family so that was part of it too and i think uh, transparently and vulnerably i think my height my height is one of those things I'm, I'm five foot four and i'm very insecure about that i've that's something i've really had to work through and overcome and realize look i there's not much i can do about that <laughs> you know outside of some sort of sur- surgery or something which i'm not going to do so i think that leaning into the parts of me that i can change i've worked really hard on changing whether it's learning more growing more becoming a better man i've worked very hard on that but there's certain things about me that i can't change that i think i let run me for a long time and i think i part of me allowed my insecurities to dictate my value and i think that's fairly common so it's now it's the awareness of okay what what is running my current thought? Is it just an insecurity? Like, am I standing next to somebody tall? Okay. I'm probably going to feel a little bit off and I have to fight that. So it's just, it's awareness, hyper-consciousness. That's the answer to, to most questions. Why
0: don't you explain what hyper-consciousness is?
1: Yes. Yes. Hyper-consciousness in the dictionary is acutely aware. So before anybody makes a decision, they have a thought and our thoughts control Our decisions and our our decisions become actions later. And I think that so many people are going through life just kind of going with the flow, or they don't understand why they're doing what they're doing. There, there's not an intention, or there's not an end goal, or there's not a purpose or a passion behind it. And all hyper consciousness is, is becoming aware of why you're doing what you're doing, and then going a layer deeper and saying, okay. I'm going to this job because I need to pay the bills. All right, layer one. Second question, do I actually enjoy what I'm doing? Okay, that's layer two. Layer three, will I regret if I don't chase my dreams eventually, right? So it's just really digging down to the, the truth, the truth of the situation. And I think it's difficult and it's challenging and it can be very painful to do that. The truth is painful. It really can be, but you have to dig to it in order to plant a new seed to grow the life that you really want. And that to me is what being hyper-conscious is. It's aware of the decisions you're making. Why did I do this show? Okay. Why did Lainey ask me that question? Why did I answer it that way? What could I have done better? I'm Mm -hmm. always trying to think of deeper than just the top layer always.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. And what about being, staying in the moment? Is that Mm -hmm. part of being it as well?
1: Yeah. I think that, I try to review things afterwards. So, like, after an experience, I try to go back into the experience and say, okay, what went well, what didn't go well. And oftentimes, me not being in the moment is a common piece of feedback that I give myself. Yeah. Because I'm, I tend to, I tend to overthink in certain regards. Like, we had a live event Saturday. I couldn't tell you what happened really. Like, I know I spoke. (laughs) <laughs> and then all uh, the rest of it's kind of a blur because i wasn't i was more up in my head than i was in the present um but when people come and ask you to take pictures with you that brings me down to my heart so that i can be very present then because i'm really not thinking about anything else so i think it depends i think a lot of it's contextual but yeah the ultimate goal is for you to use your past as fuel use your present as extra motivation, as extra perspective, as the diving board to learn, and then using your future as a guide to where you want to go. But I I think that many people live too much in their past. I think many people, especially people who deal with anxiety, live too much in the future, assuming that they don't feel like they have control. And I think many people also have a, a relationship with living in the present that doesn't serve them, of well, if it's meant to be, it'll be. And I, I think that there's a fine line between living in the present and living in the present too much. And I think it's like that with everything, past, present, and future. I think you have to balance it. You have to balance it and know yourself and know what serves you best.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, what would you say to people to help them change their life? Like, if they are, you know, depressed or they do have anxiety, like, what did you do? other than doing mantras or, mm. you know, you started the podcast. So I take it by interviewing people, you, you learned from them. What items would you tell people to work on?
1: Yeah, I, I think it goes for most people. I think it goes to, uh, it's a self-worth issue. I think I have, you and I talked in the preamble that we have a lot of listeners that are women. And the one common thing between all our listeners, women and men, everybody, is they have some level of self-worth issue. And I think if you're out there and you feel bad about yourself, you feel worse about yourself than is actually real, you have to understand that most of those thoughts aren't even your own. I mean, how how many people growing up were told that they were shy, and then they just took that identity for the rest of their lives? And their soul, their heart, their intuition is telling them, look, you're capable of so much more, but they always fight that. I just think that if you really want to be happy, if you really want to be fulfilled, if you want to be intentional, purpose-driven, you have to start breaking free of the conditioning that other people have put on you. I think that's the biggest issue is growing up. I mean, really think about it. If you grew up in a scarce environment, odds are you became a scarce human being. Just statistically, it makes sense, right? If your family was saying, you're not smart enough, you're not good enough, you're not anything, you're not a good enough speaker, you're too loud, whatever it is, those are the beliefs that you start to adopt. And then you start to get results based on those beliefs that lock in the beliefs. So if you're in a classroom when you're young, you raise your hand and everybody laughs at you, that conditions you, that becomes a wound. And then in 20 years, The odds of you raising your hand at a seminar in front of 5,000 people is pretty low because you probably haven't done it since. And I I just think that's how so many people are living their lives, myself included. I still believe to this day that one of the most important understandings I've ever had was, yes, the bookshelf behind me with books is super important. What you're learning is unreasonably important, but I do not know that it is as important as unlearning what are you unlearning when it comes to your past, when it comes to your insecurities, when it comes to your limiting beliefs? I believe that if people, and that goes back to hyper-consciousness, why don't I like to go to the bar? Okay. This is a genuine conversation I had with, with Alan at one point. Why don't I like to go to the bar? I say it's loud. I say, because you know i'm not going to meet anybody there do you know why because i'm not valued there because i'm shorter than everybody else so that's the root that's the actual root of why i feel the way i do if you want to change the result you have to change the root and i think the root for most of us is in our past and it's in us it's the inner work it's the deep stuff that sucks and it's it's embarrassing sometimes and it's triggering sometimes yeah. but it's the work that has to be done Mm-hmm. beautiful
0: beautiful what are some of the the books then that you feel really touched you or helped you get to the core of understanding
1: oh that was a great question one of my favorite books is mindset by carol dweck i remember reading that early on and i was like oh i have a i have a fixed mindset i've ne- it never for those out there who haven't read it it's just carol i believe is a i don't know she's got a phd i don't know if it's psychology or psych psychiatry. I'm not sure, but Mm -hmm. the book is all about understanding the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And she talks about it in, in children and athletes. And it was very, very clear to me that I had a fixed mindset. And that awareness for me was, I never knew that was a thing. I never knew that human brains were as malleable as they are. I didn't know that learning actually helped. It never, for some reason, it never clicked for me. So that one is is very impactful.
0: How do you spell her last name? Do you know?
1: It is D-W-E-C-K. Okay. That'll help. Carol Dweck. Another book, this is a, a little bit of a a side note, pro- not as popular. I, I Less people probably know, but it's called The Illusion of Money by Kyle Cease. And I think for me, I had a, I don't want to say an aversion to money because I've always loved it but I had a weird relationship with it. You know, growing up without it and being rewarded with it. So that's that's a good one. He was a comedian who became successful and was very unhappy and realized that he was chasing money and now he wants purpose. That's a good one. A lot of John Maxwell books. He's he's all into leadership. Any John Maxwell book is a good one any Brian Tracy book is a good one. I mean, they're oldies, but they're they're really, really good. I would say those. I would say mm-hmm. those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything that's going to make you think. It's okay. really going to make you think about your life. There's one I'm reading right now. Jenna, one of our team members, she suggested it. It's called The Courage to be Disliked. Very, very thought provoking book. Yeah.
0: I think in a way, a lot of us lead a life where we're worried about what other people are gonna think of us. Hmm. And and so I if you can get past that, that's a really big thing. And then another thing is yeah, to learn to love yourself and appreciate who you are because like you said, you can't change it.
1: Yeah. I think so many of us so many of us try to fit into the rooms that we're in. I mean if if you think about it, there's really two options. So if if I am a square and I want to be a square, I can either bend myself into a square to get through the square door, or I stay out of the the rooms that don't have square doors. And I think so many of us try to contort ourselves into a shape that we're just not, because maybe we're not valued for that sort of thing. Or maybe people don't believe in, in what we believe in. I really believe that Many people are living, particularly with their relationships, they're living in nostalgia. So this is one of my favorite. This will be a, a question that makes people think. This is my favorite question. Are the people in your life the best from your past or the best for your future? When we grow up, so many of us hang out with the same people. And that's okay as long as that relationship is serving you for the future. I don't want to spend time with people just because we used to be friends. That doesn't serve either of us. I want to spend time with people who I want to have in the future with me, who are going to help me have the most successful podcast possible. We're going to help me become a better man. I think that so many of us are afraid to lose love when really we're not loved for who we really are. I think we're afraid to lose attention. We're afraid to lose approval in whatever way that is. So when it comes to the fear of judgment, that that is the big thing is many people have people in their lives because they serve some sort of purpose, but it's not always an empowering purpose. And you mm-hmm. really got to check in with that. I mean, that can be the linchpin between you living an okay life that you're just okay with and truly living your dream life. One conversation with somebody can shift it. Mm-hmm. If somebody said to you, that's an amazing idea. You should you should go start a podcast. That's amazing. Like you could change the world versus one of your friends who's afraid you're going to leave them behind saying, well, that's a dumb idea. You're not going to be Joe Rogan. You're never going to be <laughs> Joe Rogan, right? And I mean, I got that for sure in the beginning. There's no money in podcasting. You, you're not going to be a speaker. You've never spoken before. But you have to understand that a lot, of, a lot of the feedback that you're getting, a lot of the judgments that you're getting are actually more of a reflection of the people who are giving them to you. Then Mm -hmm. it is you. If you're chasing your dreams, if you're trying to become better, you are a mirror to people who aren't. And some people will lash out at you, unfortunately. But it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. Maybe they're just not doing the things that they want to do right yet. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it's a really good point. What would you say to people who want to chase their dreams? What should they do?
1: Mm. I think it's it's very contextual. It depends on what what it is, but I would say the easiest thing or the maybe the most productive thing, get close to somebody who's already doing it. Really. I mean, if, if somebody's a podcaster and they want, they want to have a successful podcast, spend time with somebody who's already winning at podcasting. That is like the biggest, the biggest cheat code in the world. I mean, there's levels, right? You can, you can watch a YouTube video. You can buy a course. You can buy a book. And you could pay somebody for coaching, but if you can find a way to get mentored by that person, you're going to be way more successful. That's part of it. I think the other part of it, too, is, figure out what you actually want, and then figure out what don't I know yet, that I must learn to actually succeed at this. Because I don't think anybody I don't think anybody starts the journey of dream chasing because they want to learn how to track their finances and spreadsheets. But that is something that's probably going to be important somewhere along there until you can delegate that away. So I think you should lean into your strengths, whatever those strengths are, and then find a way to bring up your weaknesses until you can delegate them. And then this is the the heart-driven but no BS truth. You have to figure out if you're really capable of doing what it is you want to do. I mean, I used to believe anything was possible for anybody. And I do believe more is possible for everybody. But the odds of me, Lainey, playing in the NBA are just not very high. I'm not, I'm probably not going to dunk a basketball in my lifetime. I don't think it's going to (laughs) happen. Now, if I dedicated every moment of every day for the rest of my life, could I? Maybe, maybe that's a possibility. But I think you have to figure out, is this something I'm actually capable of, of doing? I think that's a super important distinction. And then ask yourself, why? Why am I starting this journey? is this something that i'm actually going to play out no matter what i think a lot of people say well i get this a lot with podcasters well i'm going to i'm going to start and i'm going to try and if i get to 50 episodes then we'll see i can almost guarantee you won't get to 50 episodes it's like saying i'm starting a relationship and i hope it works out well the odds of it working out probably aren't very high you know you have to have you have to have somewhat of a strategy before you start, hope is not a a good strategy, right? It, it'll get you going, it'll get you moving, but you have to figure out okay, where are my weaknesses? Where are my blind spots? I think hire a coach. That's honestly, that's what I would say. Hire a coach because they can see things that you can't yet.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like I do believe that if you want to do something and you have like that motivation behind it it does help to start like mm-hmm. you can do too much research of course, and not take the action. So, you know, I, I mean, and not everybody can, you know, afford to hire a coach, but you, in anything that you want to do, I do think it's a good idea if you can get mentorship or if you can get your foot in the door and try it yeah. or even, you know, yeah. shadow somebody. So yeah. I agree with that a hundred
1: percent. Yeah. We, we talk about messy action and we, so our team is a fail forward mentality. That's what we have. So one of my slides on the speech I gave was the first podcast episode I ever did with Alan. For some reason, we have a picture of it. For some reason, I don't think I'm wearing a shirt because for some reason early on, I just didn't wear shirts when we did podcasts. I don't know why. And it's in my old apartment. We're just figuring it out. We have no idea what we're doing. The next picture I show is us when I moved down in with my friend, when I started dream chasing, it's in the living room. Again, no shirt. Again, don't know why. And it's, again, it's not a good picture. The next picture is us in his sister's old bedroom at his mom's house. And we have a TV and we have a new camera and it looks a little bit better. And the next one is us. Technically, we moved down because we went from the bedroom to the basement and it's us in the basement. And Every single one of those pictures without context, we look like we're losing pretty badly. But the next picture is us in our custom podcast studio. And that's when it looks like we're quote unquote winning. But the the thing is, and the thing nobody really sees is we were losing small losses from the very beginning. I mean, after every episode, we talk about what could we have done better but we never would have been able to make 1% improvements if we didn't start. You got to start. You you do to your point. I would rather you start terribly than than not start successfully. You have you have to start. You cannot yeah. improve something that doesn't exist yet. It right. just it's not possible. Yeah.
0: And what would you say about setting intentions and
1: goals? Mm. So oh, man there's so many ways to go. Okay. I think this was a Bob Proctor quote. He just passed away recently. Many people set goals based on what they think they can get, not what they actually want. So I would really start checking in with, again, deeper awareness, hyperconscious. Why am I setting the goals I'm setting? Why did I say, you know what? I want to have that car. Did you set that goal because you thought, "Mm, that's a safe bet? I could probably do that. Or did you set that goal because you really, really feel pulled to that car? I use cars because I love cars. So that's the, the example I use. So that's part one. Why are you setting the goals you're setting? Is it because you actually want the thing or it because you believe you can get it? That's part one. I, this is the second part. Setting a goal, the main reason behind it is actually not to get the goal. So I think of it like this. If you were to say, I want to climb the highest mountain on planet earth, right? I I believe it's Mount Everest, but hypothetically say it was 40,000 feet. Even if you only get to 20,000 feet, it's going to be a beautiful view. And I think that what you're going to have to learn to get from 1,000 to 2,000, from 2,000 to 4,000, from 4,008, it's going to be exponential. It's going to be so important that I think people should set bigger goals not with the hope of achieving them but with the hope of becoming a greater version of themselves because you only grow to the size of your goals. Mm-hmm. It, that's that's just a fact because there's there's no necessity. There would be no necessity for me to talk to you today if I didn't want to help impact the world. It just I mean it's 4:30 on a Tuesday. Maybe I'd be hanging out watching TV, right? But there's nowhere I'd rather be than this because this is part of my purpose. My goals are way bigger than me, way bigger than me. So I would say have the courage to set audacious goals and then find a way to disconnect your self-worth from them. I am nowhere near where we want to be in terms of success, but I'm the most fulfilled I've ever been by far, not even close, not even close. That There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. It's because I have become more than I ever thought I could. I never thought I could do 900 episodes or make a half a million dollars with a podcast. I never saw any of that. I never saw any of that. So the goal of having the most successful podcast in the self-improvement industry, look at all the amazing things it's created. I have to have a cool studio if I want to have the biggest, best podcast in the world. I have to find a way to make money. I have to go on other shows. Understand that your goals are going to dictate your necessity. They're going to dictate your approach. They're going to dictate who you spend time with, who you don't spend time with, what you read, what you don't read. I think that people need to understand at a deep level that the goals you're setting are really dictating your life mm-hmm. more than you can ever really know until you set one greater than you can reach, and then you realize, oh my goodness, this is this is forcing me on this epic journey to become something I didn't realize I could be.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. And I've also heard people say when you're you're putting something out there, an intention, um, to say something like, I would like this or something better.
1: Mm. Yeah. yeah. At least. I, yeah. I want to have at least a million dollars or whatever it may be. We we had a mentor, he taught us this. This was this was very impactful. Set an intention, pay attention, and then coincidence happens. So that really is I mean, it's, that's kind of manifestation, the formula for it. But so many people say, I would like, or it would be nice. There's a difference between saying, I would like, and it would be nice. There's a difference between that and saying, I intend on having. Mm-hmm. So you have to surround yourself. Like an intention, living intentionally means living in alignment, living on purpose. So it's something that you have to check in with daily, moment momentarily, moments a moment, hourly. I have a practice. It's one of my favorite parts of my day where every single day for at least 10 minutes, I either watch some sort of mansion tour or I watch a sports car review on YouTube. And I call that manifestation visualization. I intend on having the home. I do. I intend on it. And I want to surround myself with it and make that normal. That's how intentional I'm being about what I'm consuming when it comes to that. So Mm that's. Years and years of practice, where you're going to start, it maybe it's every day when you wake up, you visualize yourself waking up in a bed that has window views of the ocean and your curtains are whipping because the wind's blowing through, right? That's a great way to start. so that's you intentionally visualizing your future. Right. But yeah, to your point, I think that many of us live in in uncertainty and the fear of what the future will hold. Mm-hmm. We we don't know. We don't know what the future will will hold. And if you start being more intentional and setting goals and living through intention, you're gonna end up in a better place. You just you just will. You just yeah. will. There's a I don't know if this is a fact or not. So don't quote me on this. But they say that your mind cannot tell the difference between real life and an imagined thing. Like they can't, it can't tell. So use that to your benefit use that to your benefit.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. So also I think, um, for creating things and manifesting things, it helps to be in a good frame of mind. Mm. So like the more positive that you're thinking and the less negative that you're thinking, like that all helps with the manifestation of what you would like. And what is your opinion on that?
1: I agree. 100%. I believe that in order. So in order to manifest, you have to understand your intuition. And you can't really understand your intuition if you're living in scarcity because you're getting feelings that aren't necessarily your highest self feelings. They're, hey, you need to pay the rent sure. this month. Yeah. Hey, you need to make sure you're safe. If you don't have your basic human needs met, it's very hard for you to tap into your, your intuition. But I I think that so many people have... I mean, there's a couple different schools of thought, right? There's for a while, it was grind, 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 don't sleep, work, don't stop working, don't ever stop working. I think we've gone on the other side a little bit too much now where it's a lot of people are saying, only do what you feel like, only do what's right and feels easy and attract the things that you want to your life. I believe the truth is somewhere in the middle of manifesting requires you to do aligned work. In your purpose that you enjoy doing, but there's always going to be, you know, there's going to be stuff associated with that. You might love gardening. You might it might be the your favorite thing in the world, but you don't like going to Home Depot to buy the stuff. That's just that comes with it. That just comes with it, right? So I think that's an important distinction. Is I don't know that a lot of people when they teach manifestation, they're actually teaching the action that goes into it behind the scenes. I, I don't know because it's not sexy. I mean, it's not sexy to talk about that. There are certain things that you can say you're going to manifest, but it's going to take a level of your own work. There's layers, right? I want to manifest my dream relationship. Cool. Love that. I have my dream relationship. But what did I have to do to manifest that? I had to become a better man. I had to do a lot of work before I was capable of attracting and sustaining that. I think that's an important distinction. And then going back to the intentionality part, One of our speakers this weekend, she talked about how she was focused on getting an orange Jeep. That was her dream car, an orange Jeep, an orange Jeep, an orange Jeep. And she actually ended up getting it. My fiance said to me last night, she said, oh, I actually saw two orange Jeeps on the way home. That's because your subconscious mind was primed by that speech. So that's happening at all given times. If you are living intentionally it's not a coincidence you'll start seeing things that you value. I mean, you're if you're thinking about it, it's going to present itself. It's called your reticular activating system that it recognizes things that are on your mind. You know, there are so many inputs for human beings right now, like if you're driving down the road listening to this, you can't focus on everything. It's just not humanly possible. There's too many things. But if you love a certain car, or you're in the market for a new car or a new home, you're going to see things very differently than you did before, mm-hmm. but it, it's all dependent on the intention behind it. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And what would you say about attracting like your tribe or attracting like minded people to help you move forward in your yeah.
1: life? So first of all, it, it goes back to the part earlier where you have to lean into it. There's mm-hmm. so many people who want to attract who they are, but they don't show people who they are. The, it, the law of attraction can't work that way. It can't work that way because it doesn't you attract the energy that you give off. And I think that one and this is why the self-worth, the self esteem the understanding your own value as a, as a human being and doing the inner work is so important. I have somebody that I know and I have had very, very intimate conversations with and this person when they were growing up were told they're not good enough they were told all of the lack the first relationship they were in was a somewhat abusive relationship why because they attracted that in because that is what they accept now i'm not saying they accepted the abuse but they accepted that level of vibration that level of frequency then that reinforces that well i'm not good enough i'm not good enough for a good person the next person that comes in a little bit better but still a toxic relationship you have, to, you have to become what you're trying to attract first, unfortunately. And obviously now it's easier than ever because there's Facebook and there's groups and there's so many different things as we continue to move virtual, which I think in the long run will be wonderful. But you really have to figure out with humility where you actually are. That's such an important part is I think a lot of us want to think we're further than we are. And I think that holds us back. You've got to drop the ego and say, look, yeah, maybe I'm not as far along as I thought. This is where I belong right now. I mean, I want to be on stage with Tony Robbins, but am I I ready? I don't know. I don't know. I I haven't attracted it yet. I haven't been brought to that level. So maybe I'm not yet, right? That's very possible. I'm I'm probably not. I don't think I could do an eight-hour speech right now. I don't think I'm ready. But I also have the understanding of that. And I think that if you're looking to find your tribe, you have to start I mean, if you're on social media and you don't post stuff that you'd like to be surrounded by, how are people going to know that's who you are? I, people aren't going to know it. But if you post positive things and you post quotes and you post inspiring videos, people are going to be attracted to that. So in order for you to find your tribe, you have to figure out who you want to be first and what's the vibe you're giving off. And then then seek it out. Start sending messages. It's the easiest it's ever been. It really, it really is. It's the easiest it's ever been. And that might sound like a cop-out, but send a message. I had a client one time, one of the the things that we measured. So we have what we call peak performance tracking. So we create, depending on the person, six habits or 12 habits a day that they do. And one of the habits was message somebody new on Instagram. That's it. Just message them. Hey, Brittany, I saw that you love crafts. I love crafts as well. What do you think of this? conversation started that person could be a lifelong friend for all you know I I just I do I think it's like sometimes in this sounds a little backwards sometimes in order to attract things you have to go find them Hmm. sometimes you attract them in by by finding them and bringing them in it doesn't always come to you and I think right place right time happens that can happen but it all starts that'll be the theme of this conversation it all starts with the inner work all of it
0: okay So the inner work is, you know, going deep and understanding what's motivating or what's causing you to think that way. So you want people to change their beliefs and think more positively about who they are and then focus on being aware and being hyper conscious and then asking lots of questions and going deep and then working on attracting Mm -hmm. and getting to where you want to be and by
1: action. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anything
0: anything else you want to add?
1: Oh, goodness. Yeah. You got to figure out, are the habits helping you? Mm -hmm. Are the the things that you're doing every single day helping you or hurting you? The only problem for for most people is the habits. There's a lag time. So if I start smoking cigarettes right now, I'm probably going to be fine for the next few years. If I start eating salad today, nothing's going to change. Right? So it's like, That's kind of the thing is you have to become aware of the long-term detriments of your bad habits, and you have to get through the short-term perceived non-traction with your good ones. So many people, there's so much room for improvement there. I think that is the thing is if you take a car ride for a half hour a day, that's a half hour opportunity to learn, right? That's That's a half hour opportunity to reflect that's a half hour of time that maybe you're using as an excuse i don't have the time now more than ever i don't believe that and i think it's and again i i've used that excuse i still use that excuse but when i do i find myself saying no it's just not a priority i could fit it in i could fit it in i mean i do 25 things a day i could do 26 if i really wanted to right i could and i think that's the that's the part is I remember when I started tracking habits, it felt so restrictive, so constricting. And now it has given me freedoms that I never expected to have because now I'm dialed in. I'm I'm very productive. I'm very efficient. And I'm getting more done in a day than I used to get done in a week. You know, That's the reason. I mean, that's the main reason I'm going to accomplish my goals eventually is Mm -hmm. because I'm actually measuring and managing. I mean, Mm -hmm. I measure the podcast listens and I measure our bank account every day. That kind of stuff, that in the weed stuff that seems like a pain in the butt, that changes so much for you. So much because your awareness changes and when your awareness changes, your decisions do. So this is what I would say. If you feel inspired or motivated by this episode, at the end of it, sit down, write down two habits under health, two habits under wealth, two habits under love. So health, I'm going to weigh myself. I'm going to track my calories or I'm going to weigh myself and I'm going to drink more water or whatever. I'm going to drink more water and have a salad wherever you want to start. Awesome. So that's for health. Wealth, I'm going to skip buying coffee every day and I'm going to track my finances every single day. I'm going to open up my bank account and I'm going to see this is my balance. This is how much I spent yesterday. I should stop buying coffee. All right, cool. So those are two things. And then with love, if you're if you're not in an intimate relationship, then it's different, but maybe one is writing down five things you like about yourself and then texting somebody that you love. Friends, family, whatever it may be. If you're in an intimate relationship, every night before my fiance and I go to bed, we tell each other what we're grateful for. That's something we do every single day. Again, 30 seconds. 30 seconds before bed. So that's one thing that you can do and there's there's a bunch of different things. So if you can just commit to doing those things, your life will look different. It has to, because those are different inputs and different inputs give different outputs. So if I didn't already throw enough out there, I would throw those six things as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And would you like to share about next level of university or would you like to elaborate more on your podcast and then share about
1: next Yeah. Level? Yeah. If a lot of what we talked about today is what we talk about on the podcast. Our, our thing is holistic self improvement for entrepreneurs heart driven from the heart i love everybody i want everybody to succeed but no bs i can't lie to you about what it's taken i just it's not in me i have to tell the truth it just is what it is honestly sometimes to a detriment um but it's we are on all the major podcast platforms all of our episodes are on youtube we do seven episodes a week every single day there's one that launches and our goal is to give as much value away for free as possible so That's that. That is our podcast in a nutshell. And then if you want to follow me on social media, my my main platform that I use is Instagram. If you give me a follow, my goal will be to send you a video back. I try to send a video to everybody that follows me. It is becoming harder and harder, but I think that makes it more valuable genuinely. Mm
0: -hmm. And then your business that's become the next level university. Am I saying it right?
1: So next level you is like the, the whole business. So Within the business, we have one on one coaching and we have uh, group coaching, and I have a podcast business, and Alan has a business coaching. So there's a whole bunch of different things in the business. But our idea is we know not everybody is at the point in their life where they can invest, you know, $3,000 on a retreat, right? We have a retreat next uh, in, a, in six months, it's $3,000 or whatever it is. I don't even know how much it is, but not everybody can afford that understandably. I know I couldn't afford that early on, but maybe you can get the free course that is no money. Or maybe you can do group coaching which is $147 a month. Right? So that's always our goal is I don't I don't want somebody to buy something they can't afford. I don't it's not smart. It's not a smart investment. So that's the thing is, okay, no matter where you are, there's another level. And that's the way our business is set up with the pricing as well. No matter where you are, there's something for you. The podcast, seven episodes a week, there's plenty of content for free. If you want the course, Deeper Dive, that's free too. All right. Okay, cool. If you want group coaching, $147 a month. It's worth $147 a month. So that's kind of that part of it too. So our entire business is Next Level University, but the podcast is also called this one. Very good.
0: Thank
1: you. Good. I appreciate it.
0: Well, thank you so much.
1: I appreciate the questions. I appreciate you having me on. I'm, I'm very excited to connect and I'm very excited to listen back when it, when it launches. Thank you
0: so much. Of course. All right. Take care. You too. Bye.
1: Bye.